0: We talked about the zero car earlier, and it's hard to, it's hard for me as as being the tour announcer, to not call that Sean Turple.
1: Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say it's
2: almost Turple time. We yep. used to
1: say, and uh, yeah, it is strange not to see him in that car. Uh, that's a that's a great race team, and he what a what a career that he yep. had in this sport.
0: And Matt Vaughn is a good kid, great driver. Uh, I, I kind of joked with the team yesterday during practice, I asked Chad Henderson, I said, so how is it? Welcome into Tim's Corner Live, episode number four, Tim Terry, Denver match and Dylan Langell's back. Welcome hey, back, folks.
1: Hey, how are you? I'm great. I'm good. Not nah, bad. Good to- nah.
0: Well, yeah, you did, we didn't have you last week. We had you for some sim racing stuff, though. Had you for Wednesday night for the National Series. So uh, welcome back. You ready to uh, chat some racing tonight?
1: Yeah, we got it. We got a star-studded lineup tonight, ranging from four cylinders to a Pro Stock Tour legend here in the Maritimes. A little bit of everything mixed in tonight. I think there's
0: ten championships ish mixed between our three drivers <laughs> here tonight. So, yeah, uh, excited to have Sean Turpel on in, in just a moment. Rob Poirier is going to join us. Uh, as well as Nick Dowsett. We're going to talk a little bit of Lake Dowsett Motor Speedway as well. So I'm excited for this one. Uh, Denver, last time we spoke, was Thursday night during the, the TCM circuit breaker at Stafford. Uh, it's been a busy weekend. I think we're going to have a busy week coming up with announcements and all that fun stuff. Are you ready to go tonight?
3: I am pumped. I'm ready to rock and roll. This is going to be another good one. Uh, really glad to have you back, Dylan. You can, uh, nice to have someone watching the socials for us. Remember, folks, uh, be sure to comment. We're interactive. So, mm-hmm. uh Lots of questions. Make Dylan earn his pay tonight. Uh, Send lots of questions in so we can uh, keep Dylan busy.
1: Wait, wait, wait! You, you guys are getting paid for this?
0: (laughs) That's what Paul was telling us. Paul (laughs) Strickland Jr. is our producer tonight too. So, want to say hello to Paul. He's been doing all our uh, sim racing stuff, and uh, glad to have him along for the ride. And I I know uh, there's a, a winter blast enduro or a March Madness enduro coming up at Sydney on the weekend. Now, I've been told you are not racing demo dylan is not making an appearance this weekend right is that what that's what i heard
1: well well, demo dylan was asked to be a partner in a blindfold race uh so D- demo dylan only drives <laughs> the van not you... not sit in the passenger seat oh so you're not even driving
0: you're not even drive driving blindfold you're you're directing
1: I, I i would be the guider i would be like the rally car okay uh slight curve left up front now hammer the brakes this way that that would be my position so
0: if you've yeah. seen Dylan Langel drive before in a demo and you can go back to TCM and look at the highlights and the clips, it's uh, it's it's not the worst thing Denver I've ever seen.
3: Well, the driving maybe not, but uh the tow truck incident after that was incident uh, <laughs> that was like a, a seven
0: out of ten. Eight and a half. There's room for improvement there. Definitely.
1: Yeah, but my back hurt, you know, I kind of got tapped into and I couldn't jump all the way, and the tow truck was high up and it's all for next year. I'll have to work on it this year.
0: The, the bar has been set for machine, at least. Uh, anybody that's up there trying to, to jump on a tow truck afterwards. So uh, as Dylan, or Denver mentioned, we're live and interactive. Dylan is taking care of our social media tonight. So drop us a comment, whether you're watching us on the Tim's Corner page, Scotia Speed World or the Maritime Pro Stock Tour. Uh, drop us a comment, a question for any of our guests. Uh, uh any rides for for dylan for uh you know may 15 june 19 <laughs> whatever demo you want to pick it's be way air machine he is available for some of those races yeah uh so fill his schedule up tonight let's do something
1: just, just make sure the timing belt and the serpent belt's all good and uh, you know i don't have to like drive like a grandma on the track
0: and make sure the atlantic Modify tours in towns of doug magic can fix it if you need it
1: that's right see <laughs> fun, funny enough I just was hanging out with some friends, and they asked me about that demo race. And they said, you know, how did it go? Last time we saw you, it was the day before, and I had to show them the TCM video and explain why I was driving like an 85-year-old grandma on the track. And I said, well, I didn't have power steering, and it was overheating. I had every excuse in the book, but it was a lot of fun. So I, I'm totally up to doing it again at Miramichi or even to Sydney if I get to drive the whole thing, maybe.
0: Well, there there you go. So drop it in the comment if you have something. I'm sure Barry Richard is, is watching. So actually... Uh, he. he he is he not, not
3: t- the, our sound engineer might be mia tonight okay well he, he might sh- he'll make an
0: appearance but he's mia at the he'll, moment I'd say. he'll be looking at the archive i'm sure so I'm as long sure. as as long as we sound good i think everything is uh, is good but we've got a busy show dylan so uh we'll uh we'll send you off to social land we'll bring in our first guest of the evening and it is the driver of the zero car for i don't know how many years he can he can uh give us a number the uh, driver the number zero three time maritime pro stock tour champion uh it's sean turple 14 wins on the tour 100 and something top tens the list goes on and on sean welcome into tim's corner live yeah how's it going glad to be here yeah so far so good uh how's the retirement and the i i don't want to i don't want to say retirement because race car drivers never retire but how's the the slower life i guess been
4: the hiatus uh i guess good. yeah that looks busy uh you know camping and trying to keep the kids busy and uh busy at work Now everything's going pretty good so last year obviously was the first year as we saw at the top of the
0: show Matt Vaughn took over the zero car yep. uh I guess we'll start with 2020 you, you got to go just be ruled to see the Jim Hallahan 250 but how was it obviously with the pandemic it was a different year all around but how different was it not being in the race car
4: uh for that shortened season uh, easier than I thought, actually, uh, miss the, miss the race day activities, but I don't miss that drive to Truro every day, working on the car. Uh, just, it's, it's a lot of time away from home. Um, but it was great to get out to Scotia and see everybody and help Stevie and Matt and them out. Uh, would have liked to have maybe made it to the PEI race. Uh, if there had been one there, you know, uh, enjoy going over there. We did a little camping over there, but overall, you know, it was, uh, it was easier than I thought it was going to be to be away from the track. So let's step back a couple of years to that decision.
0: Uh, What prompted you to to make that move to uh, go from the race car to
4: outside and and try and move on to a couple of different things? Um, Just been doing it for a long time. And, uh, you know, the fun was starting to come out of it a little bit. Uh, Performance was, you know, we were still competitive, but uh, just, just busy busy with family and wanted to be able to do some more different things with them and uh yeah you know there's a lot a lot that goes into into making a decision like that and a family decision yeah we are live and interactive here tonight. If you have a question for Sean Turpel or a
0: comment, be sure to drop it in the comment section on Facebook, whether you're watching us in the Maritime Pro Stock Tour, Scotia Speed World, or Tim's Corner Motorsports. Uh, let's step back all the way. Uh, how did you get started in racing? Because I, I know you did a lot of hobby stock racing, moved into sports, but eventually into the pro stock. So how
4: how did this all start for Sean Turpel? Uh, my brother used to have a hobby stock, a Duke car. And uh, so there was, you know, one at the house for a few years. And... Um, you know, always turning wrenches on a bicycle, or started helping him out a little bit. My dad was a big race fanatic. He used to drag race a little bit, uh, and just got the bug. He bought me my first car, and and worked on it the whole time. I had hobby stock cars, and uh, just got hooked. You know, was went to the Oxford 250 and stuff like that before I ever started racing with my mom and dad, and just had a real love for it, and uh, just carried through. And we had some success, and but yeah, a lot of hobby stock races race them for seven years. I think a lot, a lot of races, a lot of bent fenders and, you know, great battles with Mark. Why not? And just all the hobby stock legends. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that that was the era of the Mark.
0: Why not the Larry Fisher, the, you know, Mark Wilson, Adina Wilson, Myers, you know, what, what do you remember about those days and, uh, trading, trading fenders with them and, and winning a couple of races and a couple of championships,
4: just everything was so much more basic, uh, you know, you went and got springs out of the junkyard or, you know, my biggest sponsor was probably Cy Harvey. You'd go up there and get a, get a front clip off a of Fairmont and a couple old springs that you would rate. And, um, you know, some new F32 tires and angle buff those the last couple of years we ran and just a lot of fun racing with those guys, uh, a little better camaraderie with the different competition level back then. It, it was a bit more fun than than pro stock racing was. You could trade some paint pretty easily. And then you just slap some more paint on that week. It was no big deal. Yeah.
0: He's easier on a Friday night and a Sunday afternoon than it is on Saturday nights.
4: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And then you move up to the late model sportsman ranks and, and had some success there too, didn't you?
4: Yeah. Lucky to buy a, a one-year-old car from Stacey Clements, uh, Randy Jollymore chassis and found success with it uh, early. Um, you know, got a few pointers for some guys and turned as many practice laps as we could and, and he had great success with it. Uh, had a lot of great sponsors be able to help me. And and that makes a big difference. You know, when you do get to the sportsman level is having the financial, uh, backing to be able to do that. So, and, and sportsman was a lot of fun too. You know, I, I remember racing a 50 lap sportsman race with, uh, Terry Roma and we were side by side for the whole race. And it just, uh, still, you know, ingrained in my memory, just good racing with him.
0: And that was not to, to get ahead of ourselves, but you got to drive the thirty eight car uh, back a couple of times. What, what what do you remember about that and uh, being around the Roma brothers?
4: How uh, how I couldn't drive a sportsman car anymore when I got <laughs> to this car. I just felt felt so out of place. Just uh, you know, all those sportsman cars are so different in how people can gear up the brakes and stuff on them. And it had been a few years since I was in one, and just felt way in over my head, not comfortable at all, but. Honored to be asked to drive his car, help Terry out, but uh, didn't have much success. I don't know if we tore it up a little bit that night or something. Um, you know, the, His guys were all happy to see it on the track, so that, that was the main thing. But uh, I didn't do it the justice that the car deserved or, or they deserved, yeah. And with that sportsman car that
0: you had, you got to do some traveling, go up, up and down the road, got to go to Riverside Speedway 660, everywhere in between, and uh, yeah. try to get some racing in. What, what was that like to get your real first experience of doing some traveling?
4: Uh, great. Um, you know, going to Fredericton for speed weekend in 2003, my rookie year, uh, you know, so cool to try another track and that track was so fast and so fun in the sportsman car. You could just drive it as hard as you, you know, a bit more bank and then, then Scotia there. And, you know, we had great success. We almost won the first time we were up there. Probably should have won if, if I had kept my head a little bit cooler and, and, uh, yeah, I we went to Shediac that year. Um, I don't know if we went to Anaganish, my, my first sportsman year or not, but a real eye-opener getting around. I mean, we'd been to those tracks watching NASCAR races or pro stock races, but to, to race on them was pretty awesome.
0: Once again, we're live and interactive. If you have a question for Sean, comment, drop it in the comment section. Dylan, what do we have so far? How's uh, How's chat doing?
1: Well, on the Tim's Corner Motorsports live page, uh, if we bring up some questions, it may mess up the chronological order of going through your career, Sean, but we'll start with our good buddy, Taylor Albert. He's wondering, how did you get your start in the Zero car?
4: Uh, well, the Zero, for, I mean, it was it was uh, the number for Frank Frazier, uh, Scott Frazier Racing, and They approached me after Scott passed away and they wanted to help out a young driver and, and give uh, a guy an opportunity, a local guy to get some seat time and maybe propel him to being able to race his own car or get the financing to run his own pro stock car. And and that's exactly what happened for me as, you know, very lucky.
0: Dylan, anything else that you, uh, you can see on social?
1: Yeah. Tony, Wright right wrote here on Facebook and I guess it's kind of connected to what you just said there Sean he's asking what was the emotion like when you got to drive the SFR car after Scott passed away
4: uh hard to believe it's still hard to believe um you know he was my favorite favorite racer and met him a few times uh before his passing and certainly talked to Frank senior a few more times than than Scott but just you know, not too far down the road to their shop, but, uh, you know, just my idol, racing idol when I was growing up and uh, speechless to be asked to drive. I still remember Frank calling me on the phone and uh, or Frankie Jr. actually invite me up to the shop that night and they asked me that and it's, uh, you know, very memorable.
0: And you had some success in that race car, obviously rookie season on the, the tour and uh, getting that first win, I think at Riverside in 2006, when it reopened. Uh, yeah. what, what do you, what do you take from, from those, those years behind the wheel of that SFR, that zero car?
4: Uh, lots of great memories, great people, uh, great friends, you know, Frank, Frankie Curtis, uh, Greg McCullough, people that put their whole life into racing and, and as a group, Uh, with the legacy that all of them have it's um, pretty hard to beat and uh, winning at Riverside the grand reopening it was huge we kind of got the that rookie season we had a lot of success didn't win a race and then 2006 was everything that could go wrong did go wrong until until that night and uh, you know it was all worth it it was all worth it that that one win that year made the whole year by far it was it was really cool. You get to race on. It's the same racetrack, but both racetracks.
0: We'll call it at Riverside. What What was the feeling like back? Not only to win that race, but what was the feeling like rolling into the facility that first time, uh, seeing the seeing the brand new asphalt and everything else that's uh,
4: around it. Crazy, crazy from the from the guardrail. You know, only ran the one year previous there a few races, and I sucked there. I could not get around that place at all. It was it was fast, but just so wore out. Like you didn't run the bottom. Um, you kind of ran in the middle of the track you know, prior to the repave. And then we went back there and Frank just kept coaching me, drive it in harder, drive it in harder. And, and we pretty near not getting a fight, but it was a, a tense couple of days there when we were testing and practicing before the first race. And it just finally clicked and they gave me a great race car to be able to work with and kept me fired up all night long. And uh, yeah, we parked it in victory lane at the end of the night.
0: Now, we had Craig went on a couple of weeks ago, and he yeah. told us that that Frank told him the story about how to run 660. Ended up having to get in the car and teach him how to drive it in hard into the corner in, in turn three at 660. Is there <laughs> any uh, Frank Fraser stories yeah. that, that you can remember that you, that at least we can tell on the air?
4: Oh, abs- absolutely. Just, uh, just that same thing, driving it in harder, driving it in harder, and, uh, you know, teaching – when we came from sportsman cars in those days, brake bias and stuff, I mean, we just went to a brake bias adjuster probably the year before, but the Frazier's always preached rear brake, rear brake. And it makes such a difference. Now you take it for granted with the way everybody comes up through, but it was still a big learning curve then even at 25 years of age to, you know, keep dialing rear brake into the car until it's on the verge of spinning out. And, you know, didn't have that lesson taught to me until then, basically. And, and then once Frank got that beat into my head as well as Craig's head kind of same deal Um, made all the difference in the world but just uh, you know the stories that I've forgotten about Frank you know is uh, there's a lot of them but just a great guy Uh, I talked to him there probably a month or so ago when uh, you know living legend yeah for sure. Has he got you hooked into maybe getting into a vintage car yet? no, no. He's, been, he's building a few of them from what i hear <laughs> he's uh geez he's building quite a fleet of them up there every time i look, up there they're putting another cool body on somebody else's vintage cars you know it's a frank's always loved working on cars and I, this fits just in perfectly with what he wants to do now to you know gear up a couple cars for those guys yeah it's pretty cool
0: so that transition year from the sfr car into stevie's car how did that come to be because didn't you run the first race in the SFR car that season and then move into the uh the zero car afterwards?
4: I did, yeah, Frank. Frank was kind of getting the second or uh 12th wind into a race car, you know, uh Wild Mountain Blueberry kind of stepped up at the end of the previous year with a bunch of money and they were they were really excited to be associated with Frank and Fraser Racing and and Frank put a new car together and we were both going to run Uh, quite a bit and it just worked out where uh, Gordy Ryan didn't come back with Stevie and them and and maybe I wasn't going to be able to run the whole year financially with Frank and them and he kind of pushed me that way and said go talk to Stevie that'd be a great opportunity for you and and that's what I did Stevie had just uh, bought R&D Performance and uh, didn't know him that well knew who he was and stuff and and gave him a call and uh, sure enough you know, a week later I was, I was in the uh, Dexter construction car.
0: And the rest is history, right? Pretty
4: crazy. Yeah, pretty crazy. I've been very fortunate to uh, the right opportunities open up at the right times for, for good or bad reasons. But um, yeah, really blessed with uh, the awesome equipment and awesome people I've been able to be around. And
0: we'll, we'll get to some of the, the moments in just a second. We'll go back to social for a moment, Dylan, who do you have on there? Is there anybody that's uh,
1: got anything to throw at Sean here? Yeah, Jordan, Vino's throwing a question at you, Sean. He yeah. wrote, now that you're retired, in air quotes, from full-time racing, any plans of running some sportsman races, perhaps? No. <laughs>
4: no <I don't. laughs> I, uh, there's some pretty cool sportsman cars out there. Maybe if uh, if Colby had a car, you know, something that would feel more like a pro stock, then then maybe, but to just so hard to go back to for, for myself i just feel terrible when i get back in the sportsman car like i'm overdriving it so bad i wouldn't want to put everybody through that honestly
0: <laughs> we don't see a whole lot of drivers making that transition at least in nova scotia because the the bandolero legend pro stock kind of ladder has been the, the system uh, yeah. jordan vino is moving to pro stock this year part-time uh yeah. what kind of uh i don't want to say expertise or or guidance or what have you you can give him because he's he's won a fair amount of sports and races here the last couple of years but any any tricks of the trade you might be able to to give jordan vino or anybody else looking to make that leap
4: uh i don't know Jordan's certainly set up well to probably have some success with with as many races as he's run at petty petty and uh and for that matter seat time especially at a place like petty is is everything um And going into the Pro Stocks now with Crate Motors, it's an easier step, but it's still just to such a high level. Uh, I believe he's got Slon White's old car, and I mean, Craig could make that thing go at at Petty. So if if he follows Matt and Craig's notes, he should have a good baseline to go off of. Uh, Same for all the tracks, really. And then it's just seat time and and testing and getting everything out of the car you can. Dylan, what else do we have on social?
1: Tony also wrote, Tony Wright says would you try racing a nascar pinty series car if you ever got the opportunity now it's kind of tough because the pinty series isn't racing at riverside anymore but was it ever offered to you because i know that john fleming and wayne smith dabbled along with donald chisholm was that ever brought up to you
4: uh it was honestly close it was close one year i can't remember what year it was uh we hit, we were working on building a relationship with donald and them and then we had some some hard run-ins on the track and this was this was before the whole Regan Smith fiasco but there was a a year there you know a half of one year half of another year where me and Donald had some run-ins on the track and it kind of uh kind of took away from what what could have happened there but um you know I know Whalen ran one a few years ago there and, and Donald has his gear and stuff uh at this point I probably wouldn't wouldn't drive one but a few years ago, I, I definitely would have loved to step in the seat. Yeah. Anything else on social that one?
1: one more question here on your feed, Tim Doug wrote, when's this number 72 Bando coming? I, I don't know if that's reference to one of your kids there, Sean, maybe getting in the car.
4: <laughs> I was just wondering, I was like, geez, I don't know who is this number 72. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in I a don't while, Right. We, we talk about it once in a while. Uh, there's a guy that kind of offered us one of his cars. If you want to try it out, uh, Thomas has been on the 200 snowmobile this winter there and stuff. Um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe later this summer or maybe the year after, or maybe not at all. We'll just see what Thomas wants to do and see how things go. Yeah. So I'm going to get back to a racetrack uh, on, on the pit side for that kind of thing. But if that's something he'd like to try, then I'd you know probably put a car together for him.
0: You're enjoying the retirement life, right?
4: Yeah. It's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stress being at a racetrack. It's uh it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work that goes into it. And even on the Bando side of things, even to, you know, do things half right. So that he has a chance or just to have fun. It's, it's a big commitment. So yeah, life is busy. <laughs> and with Scotia adding a beginner division too, that, that kind of helps those
0: youngsters that really come into the, the division and kind of molds them up to, to race against the, uh, the older kids or the more experienced kids. Is that, Does that influence a decision at all? Maybe down the road?
4: Uh, No, I haven't honestly watched too many Bando races uh, at Scotia. See them when we're, we're at Petty and places like that with the pro stocks, but uh, don't make it to many Friday night shows at Halifax or I haven't the past few years. Um, But it certainly helps out if people, if kids, you know, young kids are starting that they have their, their own group that they're out there with uh, I would think it would make it easier to, to begin to start
0: for sure. Yeah. Once again, we're live and interactive. Drop us a comment. Drop us a question down below on on Facebook. And uh, Denver, you've been quiet over there. What 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 do you got? I see the wheels turning in your head. What do you got?
3: Well, Sean, uh, you kind of alluded to it just a second ago. But, uh, you know, as we worked through your career, we're what, about 08, 09. And that was when that Regan Smith incident occurred at the <laughs> IWK 250. So uh, do you want to take us back to that one and what just went on uh, with
4: that race? Sure. The, the year previous... Uh... We hit a quite banged up race car in the 250 and finished runner up to him when he won it. Uh, and then, you know, we had a good car in '09 and at the end of the race we were coming. Uh, I think we went by Kent Vincent and then we get to Regan and it was 15, 20 laps to go. Uh, he was giving me half a lane on the bottom and I used up, you know, more than more than a lane and, and used him up pretty good more or less door slamming two or three corners in a row. And I think his, he was starting to back up at the time and I was going ahead and, and he didn't like it. And he, you know, he right reared me into three and couldn't believe it. You know, the fastest part of the track, you're going over the hump, the car is light and in the right rear. And as you know, you're heading towards the wall, it's like, this is going to hurt, you know, get out of the car. And uh, I still can't believe it It was, uh, it was such a greasy move. Every time I still see him on TV, I'm like, you know, I'll joke around if I'm up Stevie's or something to be like, Oh, there's your buddy, Stevie. (laughs) We'd have a laugh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, certainly got a lot of people up in arms. I know, you know, Stevie and Donald and, you know, us and that whole team, we were out for a little while after that, not just that day, but just, uh, you know, on on the other levels too. And uh, it was the mess. Yeah. Just really, really bad. Destroyed our race car for, for, for not for no reason, but not for a very good reason. Yeah. That year you did come back to win the championship. uh, We did. Yeah. You know, we had another good car sitting at home that we were able to put together. Uh, I don't know if that was a points race that year, whether it was just show points perhaps. So it didn't hurt us on the finish of that race. If I'm correct, I may be wrong there, but yeah, it was uh, my brother, brother brother-in-law tells a story. He was in the beer garden and, you know, he, Chucked the chicken nugget. He was pissed off, and it went right in the car at Regan. And you know, there's a few funny memories of that, but it, it certainly wasn't funny being behind the wheel of the car when you get right reared at, at it's Just uh, no, no need of it. You know, it's not like I I turned him or even put him in the wall. I just door slammed him a couple times on the way by. And and uh, but everybody has their bad days, and sometimes you react maybe some way you shouldn't have. So been there myself. <laughs> Uh, all the championships on the tour, it, whether they're they're a big lead
0: going in or whether they're close going in, it just seems like they all accordion back together. We're going to talk about the third championship in a moment, uh, but let's talk about the first one. Uh, what was it like going through those final couple of races and, and trying to set everything up for uh, what would have been the first tour championship?
4: What year was that, Tim? Sorry, you were breaking up a little bit there. Uh, 2009, I think. Okay. Well, actually, oh uh, seven when I went to drive Stevie's car we were leading the points going into the last race of the year. And, uh, I was racing, not too smart coming up, you know, early in the 200 at Scotia and got tangled up with Ken Vincent and, uh, stuffed it in the backstretch wall and Tucker went and won the championship that day. But we went in with like a 30 point lead that day and, uh, unbelievable. <laughs> and then, uh, Oh nine, I think second or third, last race Fleming had a motor let go in PEI perhaps, where he had been leading the points and it passed it over to us. And, you know, then it was just be cautious and stay out of trouble. Learned learned my lesson a couple of years before that, but you know, anything could happen. We've seen that, uh, you know, five or 10 years later. Um, It's stressful. It's stressful. Even if you try and keep it light uh, you show up the track that last day and you, you try and prepare everything on the car, but you never know what's going to happen.
2: Yeah
0: in in your racing career you've had a lot of big wins what what do you look back on as, as those those big
4: memorable moments from your your pro stock career uh, a lot of them jeez uh pro stock career definitely the Ganesh win the first my first win um the first time we won in Fredericton, uh, i think 2000 that might have been 2008 second race of the year that was my favorite track for a lot of years so it was big to get uh first pro stock win there Mike um, Stevens Memorial Race in 2014, the end of the year battling Jonathan Hickam. Um, you know, a couple internationals in Riverglade, uh, any of the Scotia Speed World wins, any of them, I mean, a- any pro stock win is, is so hard to get that they're, they're all special in their own way, but probably the first one in Antigonish is probably the most special.
0: And you had a couple of photo finishes in your day, too. I think two or three years ago at Riverside and then that
4: that race with Wayne at at 660. Uh, What is it with with you and close finishes? I don't know. Just just, uh, like to think that I never gave up behind the wheel and just trying to get all I could out of it at the end. Uh, Yeah, just a a lot of races. (laughs) So, I mean, you're bound to have a few uh, close finishes. Yeah.
0: That uh, that last championship, uh, the last night at Scotia Speed World, probably one of the most bizarre championship nights we've ever been a part of. Uh, looking back on it now, uh, what what was it like, you know, trying to thrash that car back together to get out there and then 10 laps to go? There's another bizarre incident that happens in the back straightaway. They get you a spot.
4: Who would have thought that the first thing would happen and then, and then the second thing? But just, uh, yeah, the guys never gave up and and it just worked out i i don't know one point you know a whole seasons worth of running and and it's decided by one point uh crazy you know good good group of guys never gave up and put my car back together and kept me whatever it was 15 laps down or something like that but we got back out there and and things worked out yeah crazy crazy that-
0: that final race, uh, back at the end of 2019, I know it was a special race. You, you were running up front for most of it. And then yeah. there was an incident at the end, uh, walk us through that, that final night. Cause I know there was a lot of emotions. You didn't want to talk pre-race. Uh, what was the the final night, like, uh, behind the wheel of the zero car?
4: Uh, well, near the end there. I mean, Cole and Jarrett were running that race, uh, the same way they did the previous race at Scotia, I think where they were, beating the doors off each other it was hard sitting in third place for most of the race it was hard to believe a how they could run so hard side by side and not spin out but then just how hard they were racing each other was hard to believe and a uh, couple late cautions there allowed me to close up and it, my car got a little better at the end and we got jared a little bit loose there and snuck by him and then going into the next turn there was three of us all together and uh, around me and Jarrett went and then you know you get a little hot I door slam Jarrett and but I mean that's just racing and uh but uh leading up to the race thought I'd be pretty good and then just uh just a mess at the track that day I couldn't hardly couldn't hardly look at anybody or talk to anybody uh kept sunglasses on it was you know into racing for a long time and it was a pretty emotional um pretty emotional day for me.
0: Now, Jordan kind of asked earlier about a sportsman car. The question's been asked about a Pinty Series race car. I'll ask you about a Pro Stock. If somebody offered you a Pro Stock ride for a night and said, here's a car, go race, would you would you take him up on it? Would you come out of that semi-retirement or whatever you want to call it to, uh, to come out and race a car?
4: Um, not just to race a car. If somebody was in a situation where one of my friends, uh, say Sloan White, or if Jonathan Hickam was still running, or one of the butchers, if they needed somebody to fill in and, you know, they were running for points and it was, or, you know, a big race at Scotia or something like that. I would consider it then, but I wouldn't just top in the seat for just for the sake of it. I wouldn't want to, I don't know. I'm just not that excited to get back in, in the seat, but if I knew it was in a good, a good piece of equipment that I would be competitive in or have a chance to be competitive in, then I would consider it. Yeah. Dylan, what do we have for questions on social?
1: lot piling in now. And thank you all for chiming in, uh, Dan McGrath and Taylor have basically the same question, Sean, who was your favorite driver to race against in the pro stock tour? Um, the last few years, uh,
4: Jonathan Hicken, uh, great battles with him, clean racer, um, hard racer, kind of like myself, or that's the way I looked at it. Just, uh, you could run door handle to door handle with them pretty much. And, uh, But, I mean, over the years, I liked racing with Craig. I liked racing with Cole, um, John Fleming. So many good drivers that uh, you could run side-by-side with. Dylan, what else do you got?
1: Now, on the flip side, Sean, Greg Dow, the owner of Sydney Speedway, asks, who was the hardest driver to pass on the tour? So maybe a driver that uh, you had some maybe rough goes with on the track. We heard Regan Smith already, but who's another driver who maybe didn't wreck you?
4: uh probably through my whole career is the guy who started the same year as me that would be uh greg proud uh first first couple of years that we were on the tour um he made his car pretty wide i mean he, i felt he always made his car pretty wide you know got along with those guys on and off and then had some rows with them on and off through the years uh we didn't keep cut each other any slack and um The big Dodge motor is hard to get by when it wants to be, you know. (laughs) You could kind of let it drift up a lane or two in the middle. And then if you get it hooked up off the straightaway, it made for a lot of frustrating nights trying to get by them.
5: Yeah. What else do you got,
0: Dylan? I know, I know it's lighting up. We've only got a couple of more moments left before we get Rob Poirier in here, but what, uh, what do you got on social?
1: Well, Frankie Frazier just wrote, Class act, love having Sean in our car wouldn't change a thing. So some nice words from Frankie Jr. Uh, let's see here. A lot of them are just piling in here, which is just great to see. Uh, Taylor also wrote, was there one guy on the tour you had a rivalry with or one guy you always wanted to beat? Uh, you may have alluded to Greg Proud there.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, not so much a rivalry with greg he was just probably the guy I'd, i liked like to least racing <laughs> race least against um for a lot of years probably craig white actually uh we were good friends in sportsman racing and just always tried really hard to to beat him uh he was strong especially at scotia and uh and then later on it was probably cole uh we were in equal equipment equal cars helped each other out but nothing to get you up on the wheel like you know your driver against driver there you're basically in the same car so it really fueled my fire
1: and you guys had that that last race uh your last win at riverside where there was the giant pile up on lap one but it came down to a photo finish between you and cole how was that for you for your we'll put technical final career win if you never get in the car again
4: yeah no it was crazy crazy finish uh the whole race was crazy. You know, right off the start, we started on the pole and got a good start. Something happened to Cole and wadded up the field. Uh, probably. That's probably why I ended up in victory lane. I'm sure there was a, a couple of good cars. I, I think Dylan got hurt round up in that one. And uh, a few other strong Donald, strong Anaganish guys um, kind of had a lull there at Anaganish for a few years where couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't get on the podium, not consistently anyway. So, and then to, to win it, You know, he was back by me and then we powered by him coming out of four in the last lap. And uh yeah, that was that was pretty cool night.
0: Anything else you got, Dylan?
1: No, that's pretty much it for now. I mean, just a lot of a lot of a lot of people commenting that they they loved watching you on the track and and pretty much the same questions of just you know, who did you like racing against and what were your favorite wins? Uh, maybe we didn't get to that. what was your favorite win of your career?
4: Um Geez, the Sportsman 200 in, in uh, Fredericton in 2005, 2004, uh, we walked out of there with a, a boatload of money, led, led like 190 of 200 laps, and uh, that was definitely our coolest Sportsman race, and then like I say, probably the reopening at Riverside Speedway would be, would be the top pro stock win for me. You know, there is a 200-lap Sportsman race making its return to 660 this year, right? <laughs> is there that's cool it'd be yeah. cool if they could get a, a bunch of cars from other tracks you know yeah. it had prestige there for a couple of years and uh the sportsman rules were pretty uniform then with scotia you could put headers on and maybe a light flywheel when you went there um we're now i don't i don't even know how the rules line up now but uh uh you know they used to have such a strong car count when you went there if you run good you know you were beating some good cars and uh yeah cool deal
0: I want to bring this thing full circle. Matt Vaughn is, is sitting in the race car now. And, uh, what do you, what do you think of the youngster from, uh, Bedford, uh, getting into that race car and, uh, carrying on the legacy essentially of what, uh, what you built with the team?
4: Um, yeah, like the last year I raced there, I was, I was short on help a little bit and Matt's doesn't live too far from me. And I reached out and touched base and seen if he wanted to come give us a hand on the car. And I guess that's old news now. And, and, he's in the car. I was actually up at the shop last week for a night helping Matt, Stevie, put a new body on, on the old car. Uh, so I'm a little bit excited for him to get out of that, uh, Taylor car and back into the 101 car. I mean, I could never get that Taylor car figured out myself. Um, so he should have a, a more stable platform to go off of this year. Uh, that being said, it's stepping into pro stock is a big step. Um, the competition level is, you know, it's just, tenfold from what sportsman is not to take anything away from sportsman drivers but the competition with the equipment uh the car levels are so high that you can't give up anything as a driver so you really need laps and seat time at tra- tracks and uh hopefully stevie can give them a good solid car to get some laps with this year and and see how they make out but uh no, i'm excited for them yeah for sure
0: and with COVID-19 and no bubble right now, it's kind of hard to predict what, what track time is going to be available before we we really kick off this season. Uh, Sean, this has been great catching up. Uh, usually we we ask at the end about, you know, marketing partners and sponsors and crew and whatever else. But uh, who, who do you have to thank at, at home for, uh, you know, being uh, scaled back and, you know, maybe uh, looking forward to, to the future? What What's next for Sean Turple?
4: Uh, next? Well, I'm just... Finishing my uh putting a new basement floor down here. So next is a baseboard, actually. <laughs> there you go. But uh thank my wife, Cassie, my family, um, Ledwidge Lumber, of course, my father-in-law, Jim Ledwidge, my parents, the Frasers, Stevie, Cecil Vance, everybody who did everything for me in my racing career. Bubba, you know, Colby Smith, Chad. I've had such a good group of people around me. Greg McCullough, you know, just Craig Langel endless people that if you don't have people like that around you, you just can't do it. You can't have any success. Um, yeah, it's it's all thanks to them and you Tim. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah. This is, this has been a blast catching up and, and you mentioned you don't get out to a whole lot of Friday night shows, but we're going to have to get you out to a Friday night show and co-host a race with me and and get you back to that weekly racing series.
4: Sure. Sounds good. It sounds like fun.
0: Sounds like a plan. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's been fun. We'll, uh, we'll get, uh, We'll move on. Thanks for uh, for joining us, and we'll we'll catch up at some other point. Sounds good. Thanks, Denver.
4: Thanks, Dylan.
1: Sean, before you go, Jordan Vino says, uh, "With that 200 lap sportsman, he knows where a good sportsman car is."
4: <laughs> no thanks. No
0: thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the offer is always open to you. That's yeah, Sean Terrible. Yeah. Th- yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot <laughs> for joining us. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on here yes. and get ready for our uh, next guest and. I think we got him on the line. Driver of the number zero car from Irish Town, New Brunswick. Rob Poirier, Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you.
2: Can you hear me okay?
0: We got you loud and clear. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's uh, it, it. We got champions on on the show here tonight. We just came from one zero car to the yet the next, and I, I know you got your trophies in behind you, but uh, welcome to the couple. show. What's yeah? There's a couple back there. Uh, yeah, a couple. Yep. Let's, uh, let's talk about your racing career. We'll, we'll start at the start, I guess. How did you get started in racing?
2: Uh, actually, I started in go-karts. Um, I was working uh, at a, a place and a guy had bought himself a go-kart, didn't know what he was doing, tried it, didn't like it, and kind of gave me the opportunity to take the kart out. And uh, I kind of enjoyed it. Got my own cart, uh, was in uh, go-kart racing for many years. Uh,
0: You've had some success there, too, because I know when we did the enduro a couple of years ago, you guys, you guys were bound to win that thing until Jeff Armstrong pulled a, a quick pit stop in front of you and you guys followed him out. But uh, uh, what, what do you take from the go-karting days? We see a lot of these kids now uh, kind of going back to that go-kart step. The Owen Mars, the Danny Chisholm's did it a couple of years ago. Uh, what's, uh, what do you take from the go-kart ranks and, and what do you remember about them?
2: Well, uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, the driving aspects, the handling aspects, uh, uh, you know, it's all reflexes and everything else. Uh, on my part, um, uh, I used to build the racing engines. I used to be into pecking, um, setting up the go-karts. Uh, all this kind of stuff there has helped me in the mini stocks, uh, you know, how, how things handle, um, even in what I used to do as a mechanic, uh, you know, as a mechanic, uh, well, of front end alignments or so setting up these stock cars, knowing the angles, knowing what I'm looking for, all this kind of stuff, it, it certainly helps. And believe me, it was a long road to get that uh, car to handle uh, the Civics uh, around the corner a whole lot better than the uh, than the Acura does. For those that are just joining us, we're we're joined by Rob Poirier, driver,
0: of the number zero champion at Petty Raceway, champion at Speedway Miramichi. Uh, you've been in into mini stocks now for a few years. When did you make that transition up to mini stocks?
2: Well, basically, uh, what had happened, uh, as the go-kart thing went along there, um, it was more my son that was, uh, where I was spending most of my time, uh, as far i was still racing some there, but, uh, as I'm getting bigger and, uh, there's a lot more weight there to haul around uh, on a go-kart, uh, was making it, you know, a little more difficult and so on. Uh, but, uh, I had started with a job where I was traveling all across Canada, and I uh, was having trouble making it back for some of his races, and he was starting to lose interest. So it came to the point where basically, eh, close to that age where girls and cars are coming in, he just basically wasn't racing go-karts anymore. So it left me with nothing. Um, so there was a quite a few years there that I was quiddling my thumbs, I guess. And uh, I uh, ran into Mike Weigel through work. And uh, one weekend he said, listen, uh, we've got this car that nobody, you know, is driving. It was the number four uh, car for the memorial uh, that he had built. And uh, he offered for me to drive it. I came out, practiced with it. Blew it up in practice, so I didn't get to race it, Uh, but it gave me enough for the itch. And uh, I basically bought a car that he had sitting in the backyard and uh, spent basically one summer building it. I managed to get it out, race it right at the very end of the season, just to kind of try it. And you've seen what's happened since then. The rest is history, right? you got
0: it. <laughs> we're, we're live and interactive. If you have a question or a comment for Rob Poirier, drop it in the comment section and we'll uh, we'll get to it. Dylan, how's uh, social doing right now?
1: Well, uh, one question for you, Rob, and yeah, thanks for hopping on with us tonight. Heather Richard Brown Atkinson asks, any plans of moving up into a street stock or a sportsman anytime soon? Or are you just going to stick with the minis for the rest of it?
2: Um, that's something that I've pondered quite a bit um many years ago there I did drive a uh, um uh, a sportsman um I had uh, had a chance to run a couple races in Tim Rogers old uh, sportsman car um which was a lot of fun and actually a lot different than what they're running now um I've thought about it it's just so much more money and uh, not sure if it's gonna happen. I you know, I would love to try it. Um, just not sure if I'm gonna make the move. Uh, you know, we'll see. Well, you did sit in Jordan
0: Vino's sportsman car a couple of years ago at Speed Sport, if I remember correctly. You look pretty comfortable in there. So if we can find you a ride, you'd take it, right? oh god yes (laughs) i I think we found richard atkinson like five or six different cars last week so uh, let's see if if we we can try to try to help you out a little bit but uh moving forward into the the mini stock and uh winning the championships a couple of years ago petty raceway we'll talk about first because that is a that's kind of the the melting pot of 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 drivers and you get drivers from pei coming down you get some of the sharpshooters from Fredericton, and then you get uh, some of the Honda guys, whether it's off the tour, whether it's from Halifax come up and, and race. And some of them do the full, the full schedule, some don't. And at, at that point when you're racing, you have guys like Mike Weagle, J.R. Lawson, uh, Mike Edwards, all those guys that, that are racing not only for race wins, but are racing for championships. What do you remember about that championship season at Petty?
2: Um, went into the season there with not really the intent of pushing real hard for, um, the champion um it's kind of the attitude i take um let's go out and race and see what happens and as the year was progressing and i was always up there um you start looking at it a little harder and pushing for it um i remember going into the last race tied uh in first place and thinking very comfortable i'm going to win this thing um that's Kind of what I remember the most of there was uh, there was no question that I was going to lose that season. Um, And uh, the race turned out just the way I wanted it to. Uh, You know, I just had to make sure I finished in front uh, of the number 10 every time. And that's what I did. Um, There was, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, there, my rookie year where I did win uh, rookie of the year. I finished second in points that year. So yeah. there was almost a chance of me winning the championship that year also. <laughs> it, it, it seems like it doesn't matter where you go, that zero car is up in front.
0: And I know we have a couple of highlights uh, on the show with that speed weekend race. I think it was 17, 16 or 17, uh, where you were running up front with Ian Rasmussen. It almost won that race up there, too. Uh, they don't allow the, the Hondas, the Acuras, the import models every single week up there. Uh, so how special is it to go up there and and run? with speed weekend and those couple of other races and, uh, try to take away that victory because I, I know those, uh, those big races that all the eyes are on. Uh,
2: I actually enjoy going up to the, uh, the Fredericton track and, and running there. Uh, my car works very well there. Um, the last time I went up, I had some, yeah, uh, I, I could say rotten luck there, but, uh, yeah, it was a miserable weekend. Um, Every other time I've been there, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, The majority of the guys there are good guys to race with, Uh, you know, a good crowd up there. Uh, The the way the pack stands up there is just phenomenal. I really enjoy racing in in front of a crowd like that. Um, And the fact that my car runs so well there, uh, you know, from the very first time I put it on that track, it was like, wow, this thing's working well. Um, so, uh, if they do have us up again, uh, definitely I'll go, um, I've had first time was I finished third and I finished second. And then the third time I went up is when I, uh, won that race. And then the last time was a big mess. So let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> car didn't make it back the way it was, <laughs> looking before it uh, actually started the race but uh yeah uh, it was uh, a long day but, you mentioned
0: you mentioned racing with fans and I, I kind of want to make that the pivot point because you started the season off this year with a couple of wins with no fans in the grandstands in Miramichi well there was a couple of fans there just transitioned to yellow and uh you were able to get a couple of fans in but what was that like kind of racing in an empty arena
2: um, it, it was strange. Um, to be honest, there that first race uh, in Miramichi, uh, basically all you had was all the minis were allowed in to the pits. We raced and then we packed up and left before they could bring in the next uh, group to race. Uh, it, it was pretty strange. It was great that they uh, at least put that together so we could race. Um, but With the stands empty, uh, not as enjoyable, but certainly, uh, you know, had some fun uh, being able to get out there and at least run, and I had some success at the beginning of the year, for sure. And hopefully this yellow phase that we have brings
0: us some more fans and we can, we can go racing and it's somewhat normal in May and we can only, we can only hope, but let's, uh, let's transition back to 2018. I think that was your mini stock championship in Miramichi. What do you remember about racing for a title on the North shore with those guys?
2: Um, in Miramichi, um, it's a little different. Uh, the track is uh, very abrasive, um, block flatter, um, but I've been running there basically since I started. Uh I enjoy it. Um, you know, Barry running the track, he's you know, he's good to us and everything else. Um so as far as running there, um there was certain individuals that were, you know, obviously uh, making it hard, but uh you know it was all happening in the same year that I Basically, took the championship there. The championship at Petty, won the race in Fredericton. All in that same year, it was like it was overwhelming. You know that I was doing that well. Um, it, uh, it fell apart the next year, but uh, that year I certainly enjoyed it. Um, you know, Barry runs a, a good show down there in Miramichi, He tries very hard uh so to win down there, there there's people rooting for me down there uh you know don't like to disappoint um you know i i have that in petty and it's pretty exciting there to know that you've got some people in the stands you know pulling for you um and i get that at both places uh dylan uh, Langel, what do we got on social what's uh what's the word down there
1: well, uh, the word is Drew McEachern, the Iron Man. He has just wrote any plans on running any mini stock tour races this summer. So at the East coast mini stock tour, making a few appearances and he runs like this summer, w- would you put your name in the entry list?
2: Um, I- I've actually thought about maybe taking some of the races in. Um, not a hundred percent sure. The rules are so different. Um, I don't know if I would be competitive, uh, with them. Um, I, uh, I certainly like to go to Riverside. Uh, it's a track I've never been to, um, that I think I would enjoy and my car, even though it might be at a disadvantage, still might do very well there, uh, here in Moncton or in New Brunswick, possibly, um, actually the schedule at petty uh, i'm not sure if it's solid or anything it seems to be pretty light for the mini stocks so there might be the odd occasion to be able to take advantage of uh, joining them just to see anything else dylan that you uh, you're seeing on
0: social
1: well, I just want to ask you, Rob, last year during the Mike Stevens weekend, it seemed like everybody who had a mini stock showed up and on that Sunday to race. I think there was 35, 36 minis. How was that for you? You were towards the front of the field, but you were having to dip, dive, and dodge all these slower cars. I mean, it was the, the craziest thing to see from the announcer booth. What was it like for you behind the steering wheel?
2: Um, It was pretty crazy. Um it wasn't a great weekend for me there. That's the weekend there that my fuel filter fell apart and it ended up plugging off the injectors. I thought I had done worse damage to the car than that, but that it ended up being a plugged injector. Um, but as far as when I was running on the track and racing, it is it is fun uh, to have that many cars out there, but uh, you're also a little nervous because uh, something very easily that can take you out. And it's, it's happened to me, you know, a uh, big race, you know, cars running well, and then just somebody there, something happens there and you're involved. Uh, so it always makes you nervous, but uh, I enjoy it having all those many cars out there.
0: We, we chatted with Sean about rivalries, and we, we mentioned the, the Mike Edwards, the J.R. Loss, and those guys that you run up front with, and uh, might not necessarily be a rivalry, but it, it's, it's good, clean competition with some of them. Uh, any, any rivalries or any one of those drivers that, you know, you kind of circle on that entry list and say, hey, I, I want to be ahead of him because he's,
2: he's one of the best of the best? Well, me and J.R., for sure. Uh, we actually get along very well. Um, and yeah, I want to beat him. <laughs> um, he, he is the one to beat right now. You know, uh, I was close last year, but I had rotten luck, uh, stupid things were happening to me last year. Um, I'm actually this year, it looks very promising, uh, found some things, some other things every year through the winter, I seem to come up with something there to improve the car. Um, you know, they might be little things, but uh, there's some things there. Um, you know, as, as far as uh, Mike Edwards, uh, again, I get along with very well. Um, there was something in Fredericton there that came, not sure where it came from there. But uh, that's all been resolved. The uh, you know, as far as most of the guys, not an issue. Uh, the guys running up front, uh, get along. Uh, you know, we, we try and keep it clean and that's what makes it fun. You know, we're not racing dirty. We're out there. We're clean with each other. You can trust the guy on, you know, running beside you, you know, um, all this kind of stuff there. It, uh, it it makes more enjoyable racing and that's, thing there if you got some guy out there that you got to worry about him taking you out just because it's no fun it takes all the fun out of it you know it's not we're not getting paid for this well very little anyway <laughs> the,
0: the, the professional race car driver term is really loose when it comes to the, the payout at the end of the day right you got it <laughs> you got it doesn't even cover what you spent. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, Denver, you've seen Rob race a lot. at Speedway been and Machine around uh, around the province. What do you, what do you got for the uh, the champ?
3: Well, Robbie, you always seem to shine, particularly in the big races. I know in Mirror Machine, you had a streak at one point. You won like two or three or four fifty-lap races in a row. Uh, you know, you're the last driver to beat J.R. Lawson head to head. Now that might be back in 2017, but you were the last one to do it. You know, you brought up your speed weekend wins what is it about the big races that you just like to come out and shine it? Like, why do you have such a knack
2: for those races? Um, that's a really good question to be honest with you. I've never really thought of, uh, I enjoy the big races. Um, you're out there. I'm not nervous about them for one. Um, I like to come to the track, my car is ready. I'm not trashing on my car, trying to do this and that right before the race. So I'm ready when I come to the track, it's like, okay, I can relax and just wait for things to happen. Um, so when it comes to this big race, it's the same thing. I'm ready when I arrive. Um, and usually I feel my car is, is gonna do well. Maybe that helps. I'm sure it does. Um, you know, it's also uh, very enjoyable to to be able to win those races, you know, bragging rights, <laughs> as it were. So that has some to do with it. You know, obviously there's a lot of luck involved. Um, you know, again, racing with those guys up front that you can trust. Um, it, it makes it so much easier to be able to get up to the front and race with them. Um, yeah. I, you know, but I've also had my bad luck on those too.
3: <laughs> yeah. We, we saw that a couple times this year, unfortunately it, uh, you know, I you mentioned you almost had JR a couple times. And I always think back to the 81 lap race when we had the bounty at Miramichi. I think it was after someone added to the pot $300 to beat him and you were on his bumper uh, and then the rotten luck, like you mentioned, that uh, just took you out of competition there. But uh, I'm sure it will come. You know, I know JR's got that target on his back, especially in Miramichi. You said he's the best right now and he's won a lot of races. Um, uh, but how, what's it going to mean if it's you that finally you know breaks through and is the first one to you know dethrone JR?
2: Oh, it's going to mean a lot. And actually that weekend, I think, If I wouldn't have screwed up and it was me that screwed up, um, I could have beat him. Had the car to stay out front um, and just made an error. It was stupid error, (laughs) Um, but it was that type of a year for me, stupid little things. Um, But uh, definitely I'm the one that wants to beat him. Very much so. we're good friends. We, we, uh, text each other a lot, uh, you know, uh, talk on and off. And when we're at the track, obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're talking, we get along. Well, there's no, uh, anger between us, you know, whatsoever. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure he enjoys beating me as much as I'm going to enjoy beating him because, uh, this year I really feel, um, I'm gonna have something for
0: him. We'll swing back to social oh, one more time. On Dylan, what do you uh, what do you got on social? What do you see?
1: Well, Rob, we've been talking about some of the accomplishments that, uh, that that you've got. Just one quick question. Any bad wrecks in your career? You maybe alluded that maybe a slow car may have got in the way, but uh, what what about any hard wrecks or any close calls?
2: Um, a- as far as uh, hard wrecks I've had, too. Um, I had the one, uh, the, uh, first year actually, uh, went straight into the wall, uh, coming out of number four, uh, at Petty Raceway, uh, lost a wheel and, uh, basically, uh, was airborne into the wall. Um, I, I was walking very gingerly for a week. Uh, that was, uh, a, a hard hit. Um, the other one, uh, was, uh, two years ago there when the 10s spun me into the wall, uh, coming out of number two. Um, that, uh, wasn't as hard physically on me, but as far as the car, about the same damage. Um, both times, uh, frame had to be straightened. Uh, the front of the car was off to the side, uh, cracked the transmission mount right off. So the, uh, the whole casing had to be welded up. There was basically, you could see inside and see the gears, um, you know, amongst other things, you know, so yeah, I've had a couple, but that one going into the wall that first year, that was a nasty hit. Get the big one out of the The way nice and early, right? Yeah. 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 You know, I was running in third place. Basically, all I had to do was cross the finish line for third. (laughs) But instead, (laughs) was on the hook. (laughs) And I was in the ambulance. (laughs) Dylan, is there anything else on social before we we set Rob
0: free for the night?
1: Yeah, one of your fellow competitors, Jason Pickles, wrote, enjoyed racing with Rob last summer at Petty. Please don't blow your motor in turn three and cover me with oil. It makes it hard to see through through the windshield.
2: (laughs) I am going to try my best not to blow up a motor this year. (laughs) I am actually in the process of building a spare motor. So I'm going to have a spare ready to go. And I think by doing that, it's going to prevent me from blowing one up there because I'm going to have something ready. <laughs> it's where I didn't have a motor ready that I would blow one up. So um, yeah, uh, there's been some issues. Um, like uh, last year with the transmission, I found out what was wrong with it. So hopefully no more mischiefs. Um uh but i tell him i'll do my very best <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that, that there's no more oil from my car on the track <laughs> but,
1: that, but that's like a mario kart thing where you drop some oil on the track right maybe that was a plan
2: um uh, no no not a plan <laughs> at all um yeah no, uh, the only time I've ever dropped oil on the track and it didn't hurt me was the time in Shidiak, there was a plug that came out and, uh, was dropping oil and the engine was fine. Um, but every other time if there's oil on the track from my car, anyway, um, it, it's usually costly. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, Ooh-oh. and the scramble to put a motor together for the next race.
0: at least if you have a spare now that that's going to help coming down the road and and if something happens like that then it's an
2: i don't want to say a motor's an easy fix but at least it's there if you need it right well that's the whole thing there is uh you know every time i've had a motor issue i've had to scramble to put a motor together i'm gonna have one it's not together yet but i basically got all the pieces and uh i'm started working on some of this stuff there now um I will have a spare built this year uh, right now. I'm just waiting for my trailer to be a little bit more unfrozen so I can get the car out and get it into the garage. I've got a lot more room to work now. Uh, instead of working in that little tiny thing that I had last year or from the last years uh, to work in there, I've got room that I can uh, work on the car. Um, and yeah, I'll have it ready. I'll have two motors for it. Um, yeah, should be a good year. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully
0: it's like that 2018 year, couple of championships, a couple of big wins in, in your pocket for this year. After all the bad luck that you had last year, I know you don't do this alone. Uh, sponsors, marketing partners, uh, anybody that helps you get to the racetrack, who who makes it happen for the Zero team?
2: Well, as far as sponsors there, I've got uh, uh, Hayward's Healthy Home Solutions, uh, the company I work for, actually, uh, that sells uh, mini split heat pumps. Um well heat pumps and so on. Um uh, you know basically since I put him on the car, he, he's he with me every year. Um there was even the one year that he uh sponsored a race at Petty. Um very helpful to have him. Um I've got Midas, uh they're very good to me. Uh this year, uh It sounds like I might take a race in uh, PEI. And in PEI, they run a resonator or a muffler. Um, uh, I'm sure that's where I'm gonna get it from there. When I tell him I need that, uh, I'm sure it's gonna be no problem. He's been very good to me. Uh, I've got uh, Brookside uh, Yacht Sales. Um, He's actually a very good friend of mine uh, and he helps me out a lot. Uh, Praxair, you know, they're helpful with, with the gases, of course. Um, as far as uh, Ryan signs, um, he's been with me since I raced go-karts. Uh, helps me you know, make the car look good. If I need a sign, I just need to call, or a decal, I just need to call him up there and he's gonna take care of me. Uh, treats me very well, uh, great guy. Uh, he's a sign shop that's in Shidiac. Um, you know, all these people, they help, you know. Um, I don't get big money from them, you know. A lot of the times, like I said, you know, Ryan sign, he heals me with decals. Uh, it's not always money. Um, obviously, it'd be nice to put a couple more people on the car, um, but any help makes it a, a, a big help, you know, as far as that goes.
0: Well this has been fun. Before we let you go, we got Nick Dowsick coming on. He races at Lake Dowsett Motors. Have you seen that racetrack before?
2: Where is that again?
0: That that's down in Yarmouth. It's it's the the track that goes uphill down into one or up, up to one and two and down
2: through three and four. Have you seen that racetrack? Have you heard anything about it? I I've just heard about it. Um they won't let me go up so, uh, you know, as far as seeing it, no, I haven't seen it. Um, actually, I think it was the first year we, uh talked about going up there and then found out they wouldn't allow me to race. Uh, so basically, uh, haven't been. Um, but, uh, you know, anything different sounds fun. Uh, they, you know.
0: they, they did start an import class last year, though. So maybe there is hope. Oh, never know. <laughs> I
2: don't know. Uh like uh PEI is going to allow me to uh to go. Um actually uh uh Ryan, me and Ryan there with the Toyota um are, are talking about going up for one race that they've got going on uh in April, I believe. Uh he did the communication with them and asked if the two of us could go and uh yeah, I'm in. <laughs>
0: There there you go. I think the only ones that are left on the bucket list for
2: you would be Scotia and Sydney. So
0: we're we're, we're working down the map. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, like I said, uh, Riverside is the one I'd really like to run at. Um, they had a, a race up there and basically it was an invitational. I was packed up. I was ready to go. And the night before somebody called me up and says, well, are you still going to go up and watch? And I said, what are you talking about? Well, they're only allowing civics. It's like, Oh, really. I was ready to jump in the truck in the morning and head out. I was on my way. Um, so now I just like to go out because I hear it's it's a fast track, you know, um, and uh, a lot of people th- you know, think that my car would do quite well there. So I'd really like to see if it would. <laughs> I
0: think it's Riverside. That's all it really needs to be said. It's the facility around here. Uh, This has been fun, Rob. Thank you very much. Uh, We'll we'll catch up with you before the season starts. And uh, if not, we'll see you in May when everything all gets going again. Thanks
2: for this. Not a problem, Larry. I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. Uh, You know, uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of a compliment, I think, (laughs) to be invited on the show. Um, so I really enjoyed uh coming on and answering questions and uh definitely uh look forward to seeing you guys uh come racing season.
0: Well, we look forward to seeing you here in a uh, couple of months. That's Rob Poirier driver, the number zero car from uh Irish town. And we move from one two-time champion to another two-time champion. Uh Nick Dowsett has joined us now on the show from Lake Dowsett Motor Speedway uh nick welcome in uh rob had his trophies behind him you have yours there too i guess
5: yep uh you can hear me well can you
0: loud and clear
5: awesome how you doing
0: uh, so far so good how's your winter been because i there wasn't a whole lot of champions crowned last year but you happen to be one of them you got that championship at lake dowsett so how's the winter been trying to get ready for another year
5: uh it's been pretty quiet so far um car was put in the garage after uh after the final race there in September, and we really haven't touched it since. Um, there's plan on possibly putting a new engine in it uh, for for this for this next season. But uh, other other than that, really, it's um it's been kind of slow. I've been a I'm in my first year of college, um, and I'm also working part time with my job at McDonald's. So uh uh with with the race car uh stuff, it's it's been pretty quiet.
0: Now we kind of chatted with Rob about his racing career and he had a couple of years and he really came on strong and you've kind of been the same way with yours, uh, came on with your rookie year, ran really well in your rookie year. And then the last two years uh, you've come on with, with championships. So I guess the easiest thing is how did you get it yourself in a race car at Lake Doucette?
5: Well, um, getting into a race car at Lake Doucette was a, was a struggle uh, in a sense um, I was I, I would go to the racetrack to watch since I was uh, I don't know probably 12 years old we would go in the stands and watch and I would have a blast just watching and I always would say when I turned 16 I wanted to get into a race car and I wanted to race and I turned 16 in May of uh, 2018 and the opportunity uh, showed itself in June uh, Willard Herlbert was selling uh, one of his uh, four cylinders and we jumped right on and uh and bought that and i guess the rest is history
0: there's a guy with a ton of experience wild willie how much of an influence has he been on your racing career
5: he definitely was a was an influence and what better race car to buy than from uh, willard herlbert uh with all of his experience um we uh i still remember the day when we went to go buy the race car he was he was giving me all these tips um uh, like don't, don't drive. Don't be aggressive. Uh, uh like don't don't push yourself. Um, don't, don't go right out of the gate thinking that you can be the best, I guess, in a sense, take your time and, and, and learn and, and grow from that. So it was a, he was definitely a, a big influence.
0: Now we talked about this racetrack. We've got a little bit of onboard footage from Dominic Hanna and what other driver to ride along with than Dom on, on this deal to, to kind of explain this, this racetrack. You talked like Scotia Speed World, Riverside International Speedway, Petty Raceway. You've got two, I don't want to say the same corners, but they're pretty close to being the same. How do you drive Lake Doucette Motor Speedway?
5: Well, that's actually a good question. Um, and, and so far, Lake Doucette Lake is the only racetrack I've, I've raced at. Um, so I can't compare it to any other racetrack uh, around the Maritimes. But one story I do have was my very first day testing. Uh, going, uh, going to the racetrack, we got to the racetrack and former track owner, Gaston Camo looked at me as I was strapping into the race car. And he said, now look there at turn one, do not go into that corner full speed. Cause you will not make it. Well, I tried to go as fast as I could. I, and I spun out, <laughs> um, let's just say he was right. And I was definitely wrong. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a sharper corner than you think it is um and of course and you're going uphill again uh as you mentioned earlier uh going up the front stretch into turn one you uh you're going uphill and you kind of like you kind of break a little late and you kind of diamond into the corner and it's almost like two corners in one i i I like to that's how i describe it i guess uh it's like two corners in one you you take turn one it kind of straightens itself out and then you got to turn again for turn two downhill the back stretch into turn three Um, turns three and four it's much more banked I find than turns one and two and it's a lot uh, sharper of a corner and you kind of you kind of run that like a lane up off off of the bottom and you you arc it down to get a good run off of turn four.
0: It's definitely a a unique racetrack and it's something that it's a little ways away from everything else in in the racing community that we have but I always say it's it's one of the best kept secrets in, in maritime racing where uh, if you've never been to lake dowsett you, you've got to be there i'm going to talk about the hosp- hospitality and the camaraderie in, in a second because i think that's what makes you guys special as well but uh dylan langill what do we got on social do we got anything we can throw at the two-time champ
1: well it seems like everyone's a little a little shy right now on facebook so uh, don't be shy we're an open book here and nick can answer a bunch of questions because i'm always curious about La- lake dowsett starting with the name you, you we, we've heard it <laughs> Say Dousset, do set. I do you say it there, Nick? Depends on where
5: you're from, I guess. Uh, our uh, our former track announcer Pat Patton, uh, he would always pronounce it like Dousset Motor Speedway. Me being French, I say Dousset, beca- and 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 because it's my last name. Uh, so I guess it really depends where you're f- where you're from. Um, there's no real way of saying it, I guess. It's uh, I just always stick to set because I, <laughs> that's that's just my last name, in it.
0: Yeah. I, I, my phone's going to light up here. in a second I hope of, sure, yeah, that's exactly what it's going gonna, it's gonna to say. Cause Brittany got her first experience with the East coast mini stock door down there a couple of years ago. And uh, she always tells me that it's do set and not now set. so I agree. It's, it's do set Denver. It, it's almost like the, the Don Goody, Don and I, I we, we love Don on the show. Don's a personality, but uh, when you're on, on PEI, it's Don Goody. When you're, you're across the, uh, the Northumberland Strait, it's Don, Don Gadet it, it, I guess it's, Denver is just a matter of where you're from, right?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh,
0: Nick, let's talk about those two championships because obviously you come out of your, your rookie season and uh, I was doing the video a little bit earlier on. You had that, uh, the orange and the white car and then it seems like you, you changed the green and the gray and the black and you just start racking up championships and race wins and, and the, the feature winner decals. And uh, obviously this year was different than 2019, but let's talk about those, those two championships. What do you take from those two years?
5: well uh you mentioned the, uh, the first paint scheme we had which was uh the orange i'm i'm looking at a picture of it down here right now the orange the gray and the black um we we bought the car from willard it was completely orange uh and and because that was his colors of course but i wanted to do something quick put a quick design on on the uh on the car and i i love to do paint schemes on iRacing. i love to design paint schemes on iRacing. i'm not very creative i i stick mostly to replicas but i thought of bringing some of my Designing techniques, I guess you could say, onto onto the real uh, car, which is what I did for my current paint scheme. But a funny story about uh, my orange car—I'll try to get to it pretty quick. Was I was painting it in the uh, in uh, the backyard one afternoon, and I was just finishing the the black on the rear on the rear bumper. And I was getting ready to to do the trunk, or I, I can't remember what I was getting ready to do. But I took out the uh, the pins that were holding the trunk together and I had the paint can on the trunk and as soon as I got I took out that second pin I learned very quickly or I remembered very quickly that uh the trunk was going to fly open and so didn't my paint can the paint can went flying into my cockpit so uh I had a big patch of black paint in my cockpit for the rest of that season which I had to uh unfortunately I had to explain my stupidity to everyone when they asked me why I had a big patch of black in the in the cockpit. But. Uh, but no, to answer your question about the championships, uh, the, the first year of the rookie year, I joined in uh, half halfway in the uh, season in 2018. We had some mechanical fail- failures that that uh, at the beginning. And uh, <laughs> a big thank you to my father to, who uh, spent the time in, in our garage uh, from the Sunday that we brought the car home. Uh, I think that Monday he started taking apart the uh, the engine. Um, bought all the parts necessary to, to fix it up. Uh, the whole two week period between those two races, uh, he got it fixed up in that Saturday afternoon, right before the next, uh, the next race day that that following day on Sunday, around Saturday afternoon at four o'clock, we fired the engine for the first time and it, and it's the same engine we've had in the car since. But ever since that, I guess, um, heading into the 2019 season was, um, it, it was just a great season with the new colors. I had sponsors on the car, which was, which was very nice. Um, Most of us, all the sponsors actually uh, are, were on my car for uh, for last year and they will be back on the car hopefully for uh, for this year. And um, no, it was just, it was just awesome to uh, to go out there in the 2019 season and be competitive uh, race against um, my competitors. And I feel like, I feel like there's this, uh, respect with, with all of the racers at the at the track in whatever class you're in, especially, especially the four cylinders. Uh there's there's this like respect I guess that that goes around our class. But well, we all race each other very cleanly and we're all like I guess one big family in a sense. Um so to so to win the championship in 2019 and I guess my first full year was 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 uh pretty awesome. Um and and to come back this past year and, and do it again was uh was, was just even better. I was happy I was happy winning one champion. I was happy winning one race. So to get the championship was, was just a lot better and to get a second one was was it, it meant a lot.
0: This year was different because of the pandemic. You're only allowed 250 people in the grandstands, but you guys were the first racetrack in Nova Scotia to open, uh, to, to come back to the racetrack and to have the, the tickets. I think they were sold out in like 10 or 15 minutes. Angie had them sold out behind Staples. Uh, how, how cool was that to uh, have a, a COVID sellout crowd and, and to get back onto the racetrack in a, at a year that we weren't sure what was going to happen?
5: It definitely shows how loyal our our, our fans are. Um, Angie posted that she was going to be behind Staples, uh, and, and on, on like a Saturday morning and people were lined up hours, but you would have thought it was like a black Friday sale or something that was, it there was lineups, uh, a huge lineup lining up beside Staples, uh, who wanted their tickets. And yeah, she was sold out in like 10 to 15 minutes, I believe. But it, yeah, it just, it just shows how, uh, how loyal our race fans are. And we appreciate that a lot. Uh, but it was definitely different not to see the stands packed. Uh, but you could you could still hear them and you could still see them.
0: It's it's different. And me and, and Dylan and Denver have had the conversation and we've had it during the Maritime Short Track Summit, too, where uh, it's just a different feel down there. And uh, I know Paul's got the, the super soaker clip that we played at the end of the season oh, no. last year between you <laughs> and Rochelle. Uh let, just talk about this camaraderie that you guys have down there. How, how cool is it to, this is obviously, this is the fun day. This is the free for all, but, uh, how cool is it to, to have this little, you know, back and forth sort of lightheartedness that we, we don't really see at any other racetrack around here.
5: It's, it's definitely fun. Um, so Rochelle and James Urquhart, they have this ongoing, I don't want to call it a feud, but it's like a, it's like brother and sister, like relationship, I guess. Um, it's been going on for, for as long as I've been there, it could be going on for much longer. But, uh, Rochelle said, I, I can't remember if it was Rochelle or James who said it, but they said that they were going to bring uh super soakers to the track on fun day and people were going to get soaked. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I knowing that I usually park between them two, I knew I was going to get soaked. So I said, why not just partake in this and, and have fun myself, but it, but it's definitely a, a pretty nice feeling to have that like camaraderie and, uh, and that, um, that, uh, family type feeling, I guess, at at the racetrack.
0: And every winner that, that won that day got soaked. Um, yes. I, I, can, I can tell you that cause I was standing right beside Rochelle when she did it. She did all of it when they uh, came down to get their checkered flag, but you mentioned the one thing and that's family. Uh, your family's really involved in this, uh, from, you know, your father, from your mother, everybody that's around, how cool is it to have everybody around and being able to celebrate in victory lane with all these, these big, big wins.
5: It's it's a really nice feeling. And I uh I'm about ninety-nine percent sure they are downstairs right now listening to me um on, on the show <laughs> right now. But it's uh it's definitely a very nice feeling. And one of the one um I memory I guess that will stick with me forever will be my very first uh my very first heat race win or my very first win at that was actually that Sunday, that uh that very first Sunday after we got the engine repaired. Uh, the very first heat race of the day, I went out and I won my, my heat race and my mother was able to pass me the checkered flag. And that was, that was a very nice feeling. Uh, my grandparents are another, uh, big support. Uh, they're very supportive of my racing career. They do a lot to, uh, to help, to help me out. Um, they like to brag. They like to brag about me wherever they go. Um, especially if I'm with them some, uh, every now and then they'll, they'll, they'll say, if you, do you follow racing? Uh, well, this is my grandson. He likes to race. So, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's embarrassing at times, but it's pretty neat at the same time to have them as a, to be that support there for me.
0: I want to ask about moving up because I know you sat yourself and Mark Dontremont sportsman car, uh, last year, the year before it, Is it in the cards eventually? I know you mentioned this year going with the mini stock, but is it in the cards eventually to to make that move up to a V8 stock or a late model sportsman car?
5: Well, first of all, what a day that was. Uh, That was by far one of the most exciting days I think I've ever had. Um, (laughs) What a blast it was, really, Uh, getting into something with with so much power. Um, And it was really the first time I'd driven anything rear-wheel drive with that much power before but uh and and a big thank you goes out to Mark Donerell and uh and George Eman for making that possible and for uh for trusting me in in their equipment. Um pretty pretty cool thing about that was was the fact that uh I was running only like I guess half a second off of their their best lap times. So that was uh that was pretty fun to uh or pretty cool to know that I was that I was doing good in a sense in my in my first time in that car but for for moving up It's definitely something I want to do. Um, I would event, there was talk about me hopefully going to race at Scotia this, this past year, but COVID happened and that kind of put a halt to that thought. Um, But uh, moving up to another class, I would definitely love to get into a V8 one day. That'll be probably far in the future or or unless opportunities find their, or find their way. Um, Even same with a legend car. I would love to get into a legend car at some point. But uh, for now, uh, I think I'm t- just going to do one more year in the four cylinders and then we'll see how uh, where that brings me.
0: Try to get a third championship, right?
5: Yes, definitely.
0: Uh, Dylan, what do we got on social? We're, we're getting close to the end of the show. So if you're out there, we're live and interactive. Drop us a comment for Nick or a question or a, a, a comment, whatever you want. Uh, Dylan, what do we got on social?
1: Well, you guys took the questions there because David and Parker had basically the same question asking Nick if he had plans to move up to a V8 or a sportsman. Uh, I've got a question for you, Nick. You just mentioned that you had plans to go to Scotia Speed World. Uh, Would that still be in the works if everything gets back to normal-ish? And what about Valley Raceway, the dirt track? That's not too far up the road from where you are on the 101, I believe. Scotia is definitely
5: still an option. I hope, um, depending on uh, how everything looks for uh, for this year um, and for the valley for the valley dirt track, I I would have to prepare my spare car or or get another car to bring there because I really would not feel too comfortable bringing my my primary to a, to the dirt track. Unfortunately,
0: I, I think Dave Matthew summed it up nicely. The first time he was at Valley, it, it's a fun experience. It's great to be there but take something you don't have an emotional attachment to on the pavement
5: <laughs> to, yes, to go yes.
0: and go and race there. Yep. Uh, Denver, what, what do you got? I, I know you're way up there in Miramichi, so you don't get to see a lot of Lake downside. I know you want to make the trip, but do, do you got anything for our two-time champ?
3: Well, I know you said Scotia, some other tracks. Is there any tracks outside of uh, Nova Scotia that you'd look at running, maybe down the road, or, you know, maybe if the funding was ever there, sponsors, whatnot.
5: If funding or sponsors was ever there, I would definitely be up for it. If, if, if sponsorship or funding can, can take me anywhere through the Maritimes or even farther than the Maritimes, I'm down for it. Uh, I, I, I love to do, I love to race. And if there's ever a time that I can get into a race car at whatever track it is, I, I really love to, to get that opportunity.
3: I have one other question for you. Uh, now this is going way back, uh, but would you have been at Lake uh, Doucette, we'll call it, uh, when the Atlantic Modified Tour made a trip there? I want to say that was probably 10, 15 years ago. But Would would you have been at the track that day?
5: I would not have. No, uh, I would have been, if it was 10 years ago, I would have been eight years old. If it was 15, I'd have been three years old. And I would, I would most definitely have not been there at all at that point. <laughs>
0: It's something to see because I know there was talk of a Legends division starting up. The East Coast Mini Stock Tour has been there a couple of years. We just mentioned the the import or the Honda division starting up. So really the racing has been growing there the last couple of years. Where where do you see that racetrack as a driver? Where do you see that racetrack going in the next five, 10 years?
5: It is definitely growing. Uh, it is nice to see the Legends, I guess, making a return. They were back there in like 2006, I believe. That was when you were um, like
0: two years old, right?
5: Uh, four, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah, uh, it is nice to see them to see them making a return. Hopefully, it hopefully it's good and hopefully it is something that will be permanent uh, because we love to see our track grow and we want to see the track grow. Um, it's uh, and and maybe hopefully even more classes can uh, can can make a permanent stay here. I, I know we uh, opened it up yeah to the civics uh, last year. Hopefully, they can become a permanent stay in our track and um even hosting more uh, sportsman races
0: let's uh let's switch gears a little bit and go virtual you mentioned iRacing racing a little bit earlier on what have you been doing over the offseason on i-racing have you been running any leagues have you looked at road to pro what uh, bristol dirt's coming out tomorrow <laughs> brand new super uh i think there's a new jumpy trucks racetrack coming out what's uh what have you been doing on iRacing? racing
5: um i-racing i've been mainly sticking two leagues uh I, I run, I've been running part of a league for about four years now, uh, back, we, uh, back in the 2016, we mainly stuck to, the the K N. I guess, what is now the ARCA series cars on iRacing. Uh, then we jumped to uh gen sixes, the COTs. Um, and now we've, uh, found a place with the, uh, 1987 cars. And those are a blast. Uh, the setups, the, it, it, it the, the friendships that we have in the league and like the family i guess you could call it it reminds me a lot of lake Set. uh in fact we're we're all there to have fun and we're we're all friends um on and off the racetrack but uh i haven't really been doing much uh i'm i'm focused mainly on on, on college and on on my job but uh doing the uh couple odd races here and there but nothing nothing too much not not road to pro I've uh, i've thought about that in the past but not anymore <laughs>
0: Now, hopefully, you don't get to use it, but there is a new damage model coming out for the '87 car tomorrow. So, hopefully, you don't get to use it, but at least it'll be there for uh, for those yeah. that need it. Uh, let's talk about sponsorship on your race car. You mentioned the crew, the family that's around. Who makes it happen for you to get to the racetrack every week?
5: Well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel awful if I forget someone, so I'm gonna try my best not to. I'm gonna start off with my uh, sponsor and also my job, McDonald's. Uh, I couldn't ask for any better bosses uh they uh when i approached them about sponsorships they were they were they, they were excited uh they, they were definitely for it they were uh they wanted to do it and uh i only approached them about midway through the season this past year about sponsorship and when the season ended they said please like let us know when the next season starts we want to do like a full year sponsorship so i gotta thank them um east coast scaffolding they were my one of my first sponsors uh and i hope they can make another return they can uh they can come back for another year i have lady venus fisheries um i have LNJ j swell rider which is a lobster boat ran by my family actually and uh let's see who else um i know and there's so many other people who have who have helped me make it to the track i know uh jason and angela basher at basher's garage they uh they sponsor our four cylinder class and they were also very, they were kind enough to uh, donate an engine to me when I, when I blew my first engine, so uh, it was nice of them to do that. And and James Urquhart at Causeway Computers, uh, we get many stickers and shirts and hats uh, from him. So uh, there's there's just uh, a and, and definitely my family for sure. I gotta I gotta thank them the most. If 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 they're they're the main reason why I get to race.
0: Now before we let you go, we talked earlier in the show that lake dowsett is the best kept secret in, in maritime racing give us one pitch if, if somebody's out there watching and asking why should they make the for some being a long haul to get to lake dowsett to watch a race why should they make
5: the haul oh uh, it's 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 definitely exciting i uh, it's it's worth the drive um just to to see the different classes that do run there um they have Fairly good car counts. I think we averaged about 16, 17 cars in our four c- cylinder class this, uh, this past year. Uh, the V8 stock and V8 sportsman, those are growing. Hopefully the legends can attract more fans as well. And if the civics do make a return, hopefully those can attract more cars and more fans as well. But it's, a, uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's definitely an experience and you will, you will definitely be surprised with the layout of the racetrack.
0: Well, this has been fun catching up with you. Thank you for hopping on. And uh, we'll, we'll chat with you down the road as the season gets a little bit closer. All
5: right, thanks, Tim.
0: That's Nick Dowsett, driver of the number 51. And uh, if you're watching us on our, our show, there's all our marketing partners on the screen. We want to thank them for being a part of our show. And uh, this has been fun, boys. Uh, jam-packed show uh lots lots to get covered uh three guests we're running out of time want to thank paul strickland jr for uh having us and, and being a part of this show the trans service cup series for CIM 500 is coming up in about uh just over a half hour on uh vidane tv so if you're watching us on tcm hop over there We're watching us on scotia speed world maritime pros doctor thank you for for joining us this evening but dylan this has been fun how uh, social once again has been ablaze tonight
1: yeah, it's pretty neat to see the interaction and uh, looking forward to next next Monday for another round. And I guess I'm looking forward to tomorrow and Wednesday because I got, I got the hot tag from Mike James. He, formerly, <laughs> he asked me to be part of the Martinsville race for the dirt race tomorrow. So uh, he says there's pizza mixed in there. So I'm in. Pizza? He hasn't told yeah.
0: me anything about pizza. So we're yeah, I'm going to
1: think... He'll hit you up. Don't worry.
0: Courtly gentlemen. I like, I like my food. Uh, Denver. Uh, I-, I don't know. Maybe pizza's in, in the cards for you too. Uh, what, what, what do you think of tonight's show? Sean Turple, Rob Poirier, Nick Dowsett, three, three big champions on the show. And we, we got it all in within an hour and 40 ish minutes.
3: Yeah. And I know we could have went for so much longer with all three of the guests, you know, like you said, they're all champions in their own right. Uh, all multi-time champions. So uh, some Great conversations. It was really enjoyable to hear all the stories. And, uh, you know, I, I, Sean Turple was a driver that I always admired and, and watched. So it'd be great to see him back behind the wheel, hopefully someday, you know, I know he's enjoying his semi. Just not in a sportsman car. It's not in a sportsman car. <laughs> yet. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully I uh, look forward to seeing Rob back on the track in 2021, another great talent. And, uh, you know, maybe 2021 will be the year. I get to, uh, make the trip down to the South shore. We'll see, but uh, definitely another fun episode. And, uh, Lots of great guests tonight.
0: Yeah, we don't have a schedule finalized yet for TCM, but I, I've got that first race in June kind of circled on my calendar, not to spoil anything uh, for those guys down in the South Shore. And we forgot to ask, Nick, and it's it's one of those things, when you go down to Lake Dowsett, it's the racing, it's the the hospitality, the camaraderie, but it's also the, the town of Yarmouth. Uh, it's, you know, we went down to, uh, me and Brittany Hoyt, when we were down there, and it, it's been a stop every time that I go down as rudder's. Uh, Great food. Awesome people. You know, you make the the tour around the South Shore. Uh, Tusket Falls got some great beer down there, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not not to throw that out there. But, uh, yeah, it's always great. So uh, make a trip down to Lake Dowsett this year and, and make it a part of your schedule. And. Uh, our schedule is coming out soon. We, we talked off air that I've got two schedules sitting on my desk waiting for approval. So maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, uh, you're going to have two more schedules hit on, on Tim's corner.ca schedules that aren't released yet. Uh, so that's, uh, that's going to be going to be there. So that's going to be fun to, 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 watch. Uh, Dylan, you hit on it. We're going Bristol dirt racing tomorrow. Uh, and then we're going to go on Wednesday with the TCM weekly iRacing series, depending what iRacing does with the super late model, could be the new super late model uh, tomorrow with the DC auto double uh, for the first of of the two races. And it could be on Wednesday as well for the TCM weekly iRacing series. So excited to get back and doing some iRacing the next couple of days. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm very excited for this dirt Bristol. I mean, no one knows what to expect with the cup and the truck race coming up in a few weeks. And uh, I've raced the dirt, Bristol on NASCAR heat, but it's going to be nothing like with iRacing coming up tomorrow, so that's going to be pretty cool, and we're going to see who's uh, who's good on the dirt, do we know what car we're going to be racing? As long as the iRacing truck comes with a fixed setup, and I'm assuming it is because
0: the C-Fix should be going there this season, it's going to be the truck. At at Bristol, so we're going to have a few heat races, a couple of short heat races, a couple of short conses, and then probably a a fifty to a seventy five lap feature. Uh, and I'm sure the server is going to fill up. So uh, that's going to begin at nine Atlantic tomorrow. Uh, the double, the DC Auto double. I want to thank Doug Critch. It starts at uh, seven thirty. Atlantic uh, with the eastbound crew and and a couple of Islanders. And I I say Islanders, PEI drivers uh, spread in there as well. Troy Burke, uh, Ricky Miller, Chris Walsh is going to come and join us as well. Uh, So we're going to have a few of those mixed in. Uh, So double tomorrow night presented by DC Auto uh, coming up on eastbound's uh, Facebook page, TCM, Vanane, all their partners as well. Uh, And then on Wednesday, it's the TCM Weekly iRacing series. And then I believe TCM is going to take a little bit of a break on the on the sim racing side for a couple of days and come back on monday with tcm live we have an open book next week so far so if you want to see a guest on tcm live drop us a comment down below and uh let us know who you want to see on the air with us and we'll uh, we'll do some more bench racing on monday this has been fun boys uh thank you very much uh thank you to paul strickland jr from vidane tv for being a part of this uh, that's going to do it jam-packed show thank you for joining us on episode four until next time my name is tim terry keep the hammer down we'll see you at the track